BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, 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 hi. Well, what? Well, I don't know why I said that so many times. Welcome back to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie, and it feels like I haven't talked to you guys in a while because I've been off Instagram for a few days now. I deleted the app just for like a week or two, probably probably just a week. I mean, I'm trying to be realistic with myself, but yeah, the last couple of weeks on Instagram, just like not fun, like not fun at all. And I want Instagram to be fun. And I've been contributing to the not fun part. I, I want to say, I'm not saying that everybody else has a problem. I'm saying that, I don't know, just emotions were high, tensions were high, just needed a break, just needed a little break. So I'm on a mission to make Instagram fun again. Uh, hashtag MIFA make Instagram fun again. Yeah, that's right. Mifa. And I don't know how we're going to do that. But that's my goal for 2021 for all of us is that we make Instagram fun again. While we're at it, let's make politics boring again. Remember, remember that? Remember when politics were boring? Oh, man, those were the days. Anyway, so I haven't told you guys kind of what's been going on in my life, but my car exploded, which is really sweet. Uh, We had to get a new car. We actually both had to get new cars because my car we've had for a while and it's like the better of between me and Matt's car. And I thought it was in like great condition, but turns out Matt was just getting it fixed like without me knowing, not as a secret or anything. He was just taking care of all the car stuff. And I was like, my car runs great. And he's like, yeah, except I've been taking it in like every two weeks. So (laughs) Anyway, uh, I got a new car and then we decided to trade him. Wow, this is the most boring intro I could ever give you guys because what is more boring than car loans? I swear, I wish I would have counted how many signatures I had to give that day that we got our cars. It it was minimum 115. I mean, minimum. And we also had to, oh, just the, the aesthetic of low book sales is just not for me. I mean, they did a great job and I'm like really happy with it, but just like, I don't know. They have like that weird waiting room that feels somehow scarier than a doctor's office. I don't know. So that's kind of the only thing that happened to me that I did not get to tell you guys about because my Instagram app is gone. But today we are continuing our stories from last week, all about vaginas. If you missed the intro to last week's, I'll just repeat it here. Uh, This intro or this episode is 
very vagina-centric. And I say all of the words, and if you're not into that, you might just want to skip this episode, but I am all in on normalizing talking about this because it just it just needs to be talked about. Do you know how many Seth Rogen movies I've sat through with 560 dick jokes? And you know what I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear, well, it's because we're more respectful of women's bodies. No, it's not that you're more respectful. It's that they're more taboo. I feel like if we open this up, there's a whole realm of comedy we haven't even touched yet. We haven't even gotten there because it's been overcrowded with Seth Rogen's dick jokes. So I might, I might be the first one to tap that industry. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. So let's begin the V word part two. So I want to start this off by this one story that was submitted, or it's not a story. It's more of a commentary. So last week we talked about like male gynecologists and how some people are like a little bit weirded out by it. Like I'm sure they're great guys, but sometimes some of them are a little bit creepy. So somebody submitted this and she said, I'll tell you my husband's reason for almost being an OBGYN. She says he is a year and a half out of med school, so he's a doctor, but still in training as a resident. <sighs> I know what a resident is. I'm on season three of Grey's Anatomy, okay? And he said the reason and the only reason he would ever choose that field is because delivering babies is the most amazing experience. He said it is unmatched. He loves the ICU and always planned on doing it, but it was really hard to turn away after being part of bringing babies into the world. He said that the GYN part isn't something he's interested in at all, but if he would do it, he would do it if it meant he could do the OB part. I think that is so sweet. I wanted to add that in because that is a really good reason for going into that field. Like if you just love the magic of childbirth, I love that. I just thought that was a good little a good little comment about male OBGYNs. Now, on to the stories. She says, "I'm a nanny to a 4-year-old boy and a 2-year-old girl." Until my last period, I've been pretty lucky to have the heaviest days of my period fall on my off days. But this last time, no such luck. Mid-morning, I go to the bathroom and change to, to change, and in walks the two-year-old. She sees my pad and says, that's your diaper? I have no idea how to respond, and I just say, yep, mm-hmm. Then at lunch, the mom comes downstairs to make the lunch, and the little girl says, mommy, she's wearing a diaper too. Her poop is red. <laughs> So mortifying. The mom just laughed and said, I bet she doesn't want to talk to you about that. If this wasn't bad enough, the next day while the two-year-old is napping, I go to the bathroom to change. I walk out to the four-year-old sobbing and laying face down on the floor. I immediately go over and rub his back, asking what's wrong. He sits up and says, I just think it's really unfair that you're eating snacks in the bathroom when I am starving. I said, no, I'm not eating snacks. And he said, but I hear the wrappers opening. Face palm. So I have to tell him that that's something I need to use to go to the bathroom. And I assure him I am not eating snacks without him. Why? I always wonder why the like crackle of the pad wrapper or tampon wrapper is like so embarrassing. Like when you're in an all female restroom, I'm like, why do you always like I'm always opening it? Like I'm trying not to leave fingerprints, like just in case somebody sees that it's mine. But I have never had a small child accused me of eating snacks on the toilet, which, by the way, I would never, ever, ever do. People who eat on the toilet, I don't know. It's just the air in there. I don't know. I can't, I can't do it. Okay. Let's go on. So I work in a hospital, and this story was relayed to me by one of my emergency department doctors. He told me that a lady came in with a complaint of foliage growing in her nether regions. 
He was a little intrigued, but he had seen a lot of things in his career. So when he goes in to do a pelvic exam to investigate, sure enough, there are green leaves sprouting out of her vagina. Let me take a pause here. A lot of people ask me, like, do you vet the stories? Like, do you ever look people up on Instagram and look at their their history and like make sure it's real? Nope. I just believe I just believe everything. <laughs> I just believe literally every story that's sent to me. So let's continue this story. At this point, he wheels back from her. He wheels back from her and asks if she has put anything up there in the past. She then states that sure enough, a few months ago, she had a yeast infection. And as per the internet, placed a bit of potato up there in order to cure it. She said that she must have just forgot about, forgotten about it up there. It was sprouting in her cervix and growing foliage out of her... I don't know why. I don't know why. Foliage is the funniest word to put there. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why it makes me laugh. Okay. She says, I cannot even hope you like this hilarious story. It's one of my favorites for sure. Thanks for the bad broadcast. Our hospital lab ladies are huge fans. Shout out to the hospital lab ladies if you're listening to this. Here's the thing. I really do just believe every story. Like that one, I bet some of you are listening and you're like, no, because if you put a potato up your vag, you probably are not that caught off guard when like plants arrive. But um, I just like to believe it because that makes it funnier and it makes me happier. Okay, next. She says, I was determined to start using a menstrual cup. It's quite the learning curve at the beginning and I often would get really scared that I wouldn't be able to get it out of the slip and slide that's up there. The first few months, I tell my husband that neither he nor the kids were allowed to bother me while I was trying to wrestle it out in the bathroom. I guess one time, I must have been taking a really long time because my husband appeared in the doorway with his hand weirdly by his side and asked if I needed help. I told him no, and as he turned to walk away, I saw a pair of pliers in his hand. I yelled at him, did you think you were going to put those up me? He smiled and said, I mean, I would if you needed me to. I told him I would not be needing his services unless it was an emergency. My husband also removed my IUD on purpose. Did you get that sentence? Her husband went up and took it out. I was having some issues and the doctor's office wouldn't take it out for a few months and I wanted it out ASAP. In order to keep my mind off of it, off of what was happening, I laid on the bed and read a book while he dug out the strings and pulled it out. Here's the thing. I don't know much. I don't know much, but I feel like ripping an IUD out while laying on your bed, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it seems sus. At the very best, it's suspect. I don't want to say it's, um, it's, it's as bad as I think it is because what do I know? But I guess that's like that's why you marry like a handyman, like just in case. Like it, he handles all hardware, even the ones lodged into your uterus. Okay, next. I was in labor with my second child and my husband, my mom, and my mother-in-law were all in the room with me the whole time. I was feeling gassy and I'm not one to just fart in front of anyone. So since my mother-in-law was around, I was holding them in the whole time. Pause. If I am in labor and people are standing around me, I, I don't even care what happens to my body. I would not hold my farts in. That is so uncomfortable. You already have like a full human pushing against your inner organs to have to hold gas. No, if, if, if my mother-in-law's in there, she's just going to hear the whole show. Okay. So she says I'm not, so I was holding them in the whole time. 
Later on, I get an epidural when it's time to have my baby, and the doctor comes in and sits down eye level, and I'm not sure what the purpose of this is, but he starts sweeping his finger around the opening around the baby's head, like as if to break the seal or something. At this point, I no longer have control of holding my my gas as he's finger sweeping around my vagina. With every moment, with every movement, out sneaks a little fart after fart right in his eye. <laughs> At first, I didn't know what the sound was, but once I realized that I was repeatedly farting in his face, I was so embarrassed. All I could think to say was, I'm so sorry. Oh, man, it was horrifying. He was nice and said with a little chuckle, it's okay. I mean, the most comforting part about any doctor's appointment is that they've seen worse. They've seen worse. They've smelled worse. They've probably had worse things shot in their eye. Okay, next. She says, Okay, this is a long but good story. Let me set the scene for you a bit. After having a baby, there is no longer any sense of privacy. My first child, I was in labor for over 30 hours, and I had to push for three. All of that time, countless nurses and doctors are coming in, checking your cervix, checking your catheter, checking internal monitors, breaking your water. There's a lot going on. Then after you finally get your baby here, you get to wear the glorious mesh underwear with a giant pad, and people are coming to the bathroom with you, or even just coming to your room periodically to check on all the things. Anyways, you get used to a lot of people seeing all the parts of you that you usually keep private. So one of these times a nurse comes in. It was a shift change, so it was a new nurse, and she also informs me that she has a student with her. I didn't even look up. I was trying to get my baby to nurse, and we were struggling. I was tired, naked, and frustrated. The nurse comes over, starts massaging my stomach, they do this to help the uterus contract down to normal, and pulls my mesh panties down to check on the bleeding. That's the point I finally look up, only to see... My ex-boyfriend was the student in the room. He was literally right there seeing everything. The nurse then addresses the breastfeeding situation. Seeing I was struggling, she steps in to assist me with the latch, but then says, hey, we'll call this guy Steve. Do you actually want to step in and help her? I lose it at this point. I start bawling and I just ask them to leave. I should add my husband wasn't here through all of this. He had gone to get me food. A while later, I have to go to the bathroom and press the nurse button for assistance in the bathroom. Guess who walks in? Freaking Steve. He just walks in and says, you can request a different nurse if you aren't comfortable with this. Uh, yes. Is that even a question? Please get me literally anyone else. I didn't have to see him again the rest of the hospital stay, but I did get a Facebook message from him a few weeks later asking how nursing was going and if I had figured out how to get my baby to latch. This is a hate crime. This is a hate crime. I give this two thumbs way down. What would ruin the magical experience of birthing a child quicker than your ex-boyfriend doing your post-delivery cervical exam? No. Okay, let's let's take a little a little break right here for a PSA from one of our listeners. Oh, I felt like Vanna White on The Price is Right. That rhymed. Somebody messaged me and says, if you feel inclined, here's a little PSA for your young mom listeners. If you cross your legs when you pee or can't jump on a trampoline, please seek medical attention. Ask for physical therapy. There's 800 billion jokes made about not being able to hold your pee after having a baby, and that's not good. Depends and pads are not the answer. Medical attention is. So I don't know. I just, she said, if you feel so inclined and color me inclined because I feel like a lot of women have this. I don't know. I hear a lot of jokes about it. Like you can't jump on a trampoline. You pee a little bit. I don't know. So yeah, just passing along the good word. I don't know. I just feel like that might help somebody out there. I didn't, I didn't do any other research, but just thought I'd pass that along woman to woman. 
Okay, next. She says, I had a baby back in June. I was always so terrified of labor and that it wouldn't go well, and I had a lot of anxiety leading up to it. I'm just a planner, and the thought of my water breaking mid-grocery store run did not sound fun to me. Turns out only a small percentage of women's water actually breaks, and labor takes way longer than the movies make it out to be. Anyways, I woke up one morning and felt a trickle down my leg. Oh my gosh, my water totally broke. I called the nurse at my OB office and explained that it wasn't a big gush, but I'm definitely leaking. Leaking. Just leaking is bad. She said to go to the hospital because even if it was just a small leak, they needed to get the baby out because you can get an infection. Okay, this is why that episode of The Office where Pam is having the baby pisses me off so bad because Pam's water breaks and she just changes and then she goes back up to the office. It is so dangerous. I'm almost I'm almost positive it's dangerous. Like if your water breaks, you have to go because now there's an opening between the world and your child. And we all know that the world is full of germs. I don't know. It just, I hate when Pam does that. That's like honestly in my top five reasons of why I don't like her. But we can talk about that another time. So she goes on, I called my husband to tell him to leave work and meet me at the hospital because the baby was coming. I got there and the lady asked if she could take some samples of my cervix. After doing multiple swabs, she asked me if I had sex recently. Confused why she needed to know, I replied with yes, I had. I was doing everything in my power to evacuate the baby. Then she let me know that my water did in fact not break and that the trickle was just leftover semen. I think that's the first time I've ever said that word on the podcast. Is it? I don't know. You guys will have to let me know, but we're breaking new ground. I was mortified. I called my husband and he was mortified. Five minutes later, I randomly started contracting in the hospital and had the baby 12 hours later. (laughs) Probably the stress, the stress of it all. Your baby was like, listen, I got you. I'll take care of this. Uh, A true act of God. My labor went really smoothly. I had no idea it was the 24 hours that I... (laughs) 24 hours after that I should have been worried about. You're supposed to pee after you give birth, and I literally could not push my pee out, so they had to put a catheter in me and empty my bladder. This experience was so much more traumatizing than giving birth. I had torn badly, and they couldn't find the hole to put it in. They were rummaging around in my vagina for 15 minutes before they found the hole. I was screaming from the pain. They emptied my bladder and removed the catheter, and then six hours later, they had to do it again because I still couldn't pee. I will never recover. Here's a picture of my baby. I will never have another. The baby was very cute. So I assume the baby was worth it because because they're cute. But here's the thing with peeing. When you guys go to the doctor and they ask for a urine sample, like, you know, that that like really concentrated like effort you have to put into peeing. I assume it's like that, but just a thousand times worse because you're all torn up and bleeding and traumatized. And now you have to make yourself pee hot liquid out of your injury. I don't know. I just it doesn't doesn't sound like a great time. Okay, next. She says, I was a few months postpartum with my first when I got a really bad yeast infection that was super intense and very fast. I try not to use antibiotics, so I started looking up natural remedies. One that came up was a lot of garlic. It was late at night and I was desperate for relief. So I grabbed a clove of garlic and even sewed a string through it to make it like a tampon and easier to pull out something that the interwebs told me to do. So I stick a giant clove of garlic up there and go to bed. I wake up in the morning just reeking of garlic. Yes, you're yes, you would reek of garlic. Your body is warm. You pretty much just put a garlic in your body to sous vide. Like that's coming out fully cooked. Like that is that is a roasted roasted clove of garlic. 
Uh, she says, you, like, you know when you eat garlic and it comes out of your pores for a couple of days? It was like that on steroids. My room was like a garlic explosion. It smelled so bad and I could taste it in my mouth. I had to get it out ASAP. So I went into the bathroom and pulled on the little string and whoop, the little string pulled right out. No garlic attached. So I try to keep calm and I start trying to find it. Keep in mind, I have a yeast infection. So like this is not a pleasant thing in the slightest. Yeah, I can't imagine any scenario where fishing a clove of garlic out of your vagina is pleasant. I cannot find the dang garlic. I was... <laughs> Just that sentence. I cannot find the dang garlic. I was searching for a solid 30 minutes when I decided to take a break in hopes it would work itself out. I try again and still haven't had any luck. So I start Googling things like how to get garlic out of vagina and what to do if something is lost in vagina. And I look like I am and I am like sweating at the thought of having to go to the ER so they can fish a freaking clove of garlic out of my hoo-ha. Three hours later, I finally get it out. I started crying once I got it out. I was so happy that I lit every candle I could find and did like a hundred swigs of mouthwash. I'm going to need to take a personal day. I'm going to need to take a personal day to work through this. I mean, I, mm, this is probably, I'm going to, I'm going to segue this into something that I learned because I really, <laughs> I don't even know how to process that. But did you guys know, I was always really scared of like tampons getting lost inside of me. You know, I think we were all probably scared of that at one point. And I was taught by, I can't remember who told me this, but sometimes like strippers or gymnasts or people who wear, I don't know, underwear uniforms, they snip the string off of their tampon. So there's no string that hangs out. So you don't need to worry about things getting lost in you because people, people just ditch the string altogether. So... Uh, there's your fun fact from Maddie that I think is accurate, but I did not check. I, I should make that my own category of facts. I'm pretty sure it sounds right, but I didn't check it. Okay, next. She says, we're going to get personal right away. Perfect. This is my favorite way to start start a story. What's a boundary? I don't know. I used to get chronic UTIs and bladder infections in college. I couldn't get into my regular doctor and I could tell I had another infection and wanted to get started on an antibiotic. I decided to go to the college wellness center, which had notoriously been a last resort for medical care. They called me back and asked for me to give them a urine sample. I filled the cup, handed it directly to the nurse, and she has me go back into the waiting room and the doctor would see me soon. About 15 minutes later, the nurse came in and said she got busy and forgot to label the samples. She then took me back and showed me three different urine samples and asked me if I remember which one was mine. I half expected them to come in and tell me I was pregnant because they mixed the samples up again. I just recently fired, I also just recently fired my OBGYN because after telling him about my postpartum anxiety, he came over to me and kissed me on the head. Maybe some would find that comforting, but I felt it was over. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's over the line. Remind your listeners that they have the right to fire a doctor anytime for any reason. Your comfort is paramount when you are at the gynecologist's office. If you feel weird about anything, please don't continue to go. There are amazing OBGYNs out there that will not kiss you after you express your postpartum anxiety. Also, the mix-up of the pee. I mean... That feels like, I mean, I've never been in nursing school. I mean, that's not a hot take. I think you guys can probably deduce that I don't have any medical skills. But it seems like that's like step number one of taking a urine sample. Like, make sure that you write whose it is. Also, how would you be able to tell? 
right now, I would be able to tell which pee is mine because I started a hair pill and my pee is Mountain Dew green. Mountain Dew. So I'm well prepped if that ever happens to me. Please don't let that ever happen to me. Okay, next. She says, this story is short and sweet. My sister-in-law delivered twins. While the doctor was waiting for the placenta to be delivered, he sat in between her legs, took one umbilical cord in each hand, two, because twins, and literally did a soft whipping motion and said, giddy up. He yelled, giddy up, while lassoing the umbilical cords. I'm not well. I'm not well. Okay, next. My five-year-old loudly declared in the middle of the store one day while inquiring about how the baby in my belly gets out. (laughs) They say, but mom, if she comes out of your vagina, how does she get through all the hair? (laughs) Well, they come out with a machete in hand to bushwhack their way out. Next, she says, oh boy, do I have some stories but this is already long enough. If you use this in the podcast, feel free to cut out whatever you need to. For some context, I have two little ones who are two and under. They are a year and 10 days apart because my first birth experience was so traumatic, but my husband and I knew we wanted at least one more child, so I wanted to be done having kids as fast as possible. The second labor and delivery was so much better despite having a surprise C-section because the baby was breech. Here I am am thinking this was such a healing experience for my first birth, and we can just go home and enjoy our new little bundle of joy. Well, first of all, C-section recovery is no joke. I still can't believe that they expect you to be up and walking around a day after surgery. Pretty sure with any other abdominal surgery, you'd be in bed recovering for weeks. But not mothers. You have to not only care for yourself, but a new baby as well. Luckily, I had lots of support and recovery was fine. Until one night I woke up a few weeks after giving birth. I want to give a trigger warning here because it's pretty gnarly. I woke up feeling super wet. I thought maybe I was overheated and sweating, but I screamed to my husband as I looked down and saw the huge pool of blood on my bed. When I stood up, I thought I was dying. I literally felt like my insides were falling out of me and my husband quickly called 911. They got to my house and I passed out briefly as they carried me to the ambulance. They told me my insides weren't falling out, but I had baseball-sized clots coming out of me. So my body had to dilate again, like I was having another baby. I got to the emergency room and the doctor told me he'd do a pelvic exam, like the ones that take 30 seconds at the gynecologist. He asked me if I wanted medicine before the procedure. And I'm like, no, I've had a million of them and they're a little uncomfy, but not too bad. I thought to myself, I'll probably be fine. Wrong. He proceeded to tell me to scooch three feet down on the bed. I needed help out of the bed, and this man wants me to scooch down a bed by myself with no abdominal muscles, knowing full well that I just had a C-section. I struggled for five minutes trying to get down there before the nurse says, I think we should help her. Then he proceeded to scrape all of the blood clots out. He said over and over, just relax. You need to relax. I was irate. How dare he say it's going to be a little pelvic exam and then go in and scrape my insides out. It was excruciating. Luckily, they knew they needed to transfer me to the labor unit where the most angelic ladies in the universe worked. They got me blood transfusions to replace all that I'd lost. They deserve medals. Needless to say, I reported that man from the ER, and I hope he heard how awful he made my experience. My sweet midwives called me so many times to see how I was doing and see if I recovered quickly after that. But wow, we are definitely done having kids. Okay, this story stuck out to me. Not because of the baseball-sized blood clots, which are pretty wild in and of themselves. 
but because of something else that she said. Um, when she said, if you had surgery on your abdomen anywhere else, you would not be expected to be like up and at them within the first 48 hours. That's why childbirth is so wild to me. Like, okay, hear me out on this too. Not only is child, not only does your body know how to like push a kid out. Did you know, uh, I can't remember if I shared this on the podcast before, or maybe I was just telling somebody a worthless fact that I know, but the fact that our bodies know when to deliver the baby, like when the baby is the right size to come out. Because if you think of other mammals, when they're born, they're able to walk. Babies are like the only mammal that are not able to walk, but that's because they have to come out at the right time so that a woman's hips can fit fit them. D- did any of that make sense? So yeah, I just think childbirth is so cool. And then also like lactating. Okay, I know lactating is like maybe weird and gross and it'll probably be weirder and grosser to me once I have to do it. But the fact that your body makes milk when they he- when <laughs> when your titties hear somebody crying, like that's pretty crazy, right? Like that is a that is a superpower. And I'm not saying that in like a weird home goods quote way, like breastfeeding's my superpower. What's yours? Like, no, it honestly just does feel like a superpower, like a spidey sense. So I don't know. I just think childbirth is cool. And if you've completed it, I just I think you're cool. Okay. Next. She says. Okay, long story short, I got in an accident when I was about seven months pregnant. The ambulance took me to the nearest hospital, and it was terrible. They refused to check my baby until they were positive I was okay. Seems normal, but the guy made me get a jaw x-ray x-ray before even doing a Doppler heartbeat check. I finally convinced the ER docs to transfer me to labor and delivery, but not before he insisted on doing a cervical check. His exact words... I know you're going up to labor and delivery and they're more qualified to do it, but I think I should do one too, just as a precaution. Mind you, I've been at the hospital for about five hours at this point. You'd think they have taken this precaution hours ago. As he's sitting at the end of my bed, now peering over my open knees, I slight a slight smirk on his face and torts, I don't normally wear gloves for this, but I will this time because you're pregnant and I want to avoid an infection. <laughs> I want to avoid an infection. Buddy, I'm here to say, if you're worried about passing infections with your bare hands, please avoid me and my vagina at all costs. I don't want to think of how many poor women have been violated by his fungus fingers. Yeah, if uh, if your doctor is like like 50-50 on wearing gloves, like let's maybe, let's not, let's not uh, let him touch us. Let's not let that person, maybe near anybody, let's maybe not let him be a doctor. Yeah? How do you guys feel about that? I feel pretty good about that. All right, just a quick little break right here to hear from this week's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Spa Truve. Spa Truve is a full-service Utah spa offering skincare, Botox, fillers, injections, cool sculpting, laser hair removal, CO2 resurfacing, and even vaginal rejuvenation. Works out perfectly for this episode. Listeners can use my code MADDIE10 for 10% off of your next purchase at Spa Truve. The out-of-state listeners can shop the online store, which is shopspatruve.com for medical-grade skincare. Also, the Spa Truve podcast talks about all treatments and products offered at Spa Spa Truve, along with weekly episodes with inspiring guests talking about parenting, relationships, business building, and more. Remember to use my code MADDIE10 at checkout or in-store. All right, diving back into the vagina stories. She says, one time my friend told me a story about where she was canyoneering with her dad and some of his friends. If you don't know, 
what I don't, I don't know what canyoneering is. Canyoneering is like camping and hiking slash rock climbing for a week. Why would anyone ever do this? I don't know. I, I don't know either. Anyway, while, we, while they were hiking, her dad noticed that my friend had bled through her pants, so he awkwardly told her. She didn't have any pads or tampons, so she just tied a sweatshirt around her waist. A little while later, one of the older ladies, we're talking like 60 years old, pulled her aside and said, I understand you're having some girl problems. The 60-year-old lady then proceeds to reach down her own pants and pull out a pad that she was already wearing. She rolled it up and handed it to my friend and said, here you go. Possibly the worst part, there was a pube on the pad. No, my friend did not use it. I'm so glad also of all the words, of every single word that I've said in this episode and last episode, anyone that comes to mind, perhaps the worst is pube. Not pubic, pube. That's the worst one. That That's my personal least favorite. Other words that I hate, rural, hate that word, juror. I know there's a, there's a thing on a, on 30 Rock about the rural juror. Also the word oral, the word oral. And let's go ahead, ahead and add pube. I don't like when people's least favorite word is moist. Like it's not really your least favorite word. Like it's not that bad. Like you just heard that somewhere probably. Okay, next up. I was in high school and I went on a double date with another couple to Lagoon. Oh, for those of you that don't know, Lagoon is Utah's one and only theme park. And it is chef's kiss. I love Lagoon. I haven't been there in way too long, probably because like we're in a pandemic. And if coronavirus exists anywhere in Utah, it's definitely at Lagoon. So anyway, she says, during the day, the other girl started her period and leaked pretty bad in her pants. Luckily, I had an extra tampon on me, but her pants were a mess. In the bathroom, I told her to give me her pants, and I cleaned the spots out in the sink for her. It was gross, but I knew I had to help her. Women need women. Truer words never spoken. Women do need women. And I got a review. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about my reviews, but I guess we're going to talk about them now. So I got a few uh, like negative reviews on the podcast. I don't know if they were necessarily about the podcast or about my Instagram, but either way, they left negative reviews. And I posted them on my Instagram like with some commentary on them. And I ended up deleting it just because I... I realized that when you post like the negative reviews, it looks like you're like fishing for compliments or validation or whatever, which in some ways I am like, in, like I, you know, the, the negative reviews get me down. And so I want to feel validated. And, but then on top of that, I like put some thought into it and some of the stuff that they were saying in their reviews were right. And they were things I need to work on and things I need to do better on my Instagram and podcast. And I'm in a much, I mean, I cried in the Target parking lot for a little bit, but we're back. We're back up. And the reason I'm talking about my reviews is that one of the reviews, I don't think it was like, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was a good one or a bad one, but she said something about how I always talk about hating men. <laughs> If you want a lesson in self-awareness, start a podcast because you essentially just have a review system for your entire personality. Because I literally, I didn't like know that I had been preaching to hate men. And the thing is, is that I, I don't hate men. I think I like to roast men. I don't think anybody, I mean, I have seven older brothers and a dad who I love and I'm also married to a man. I'm not... I'm not mad at men in general, but I just love women and I just want women to feel boosted up. So I think sometimes it comes across like I hate men, but I just really do believe that women need women. 
So yeah, I uh, I I think a lot of you guys were worried. You guys are like my best my best friends. I mean, for real though. But I think you guys were worried because I had posted the negative reviews and I had, you know, kind of stuck up for myself. Which of course I think we all should. And I still, you know, believe what I believe and posted the things that I I believe in. But I think that I just have been lacking in my empathy for people on the other side. And I. I just, I never want to do that because I, I'm in the middle on so many things and I ask for grace and patience and empathy. And I think that's pretty, pretty not cool to not extend that to other people. So I read that and uh, yeah, it hurt because it was right and I need to do better. So we're just, we're getting through it, but enough of the boring stuff. Let's get back to more vagina stories. Okay. She says, I did not have sex until I got married, but I decided that getting an IUD before my wedding would be a good idea. It wasn't. I was still in college, so I went to the student health center because my wedding was a month out and I thought it would take too long to get an appointment with the regular OB. Another bad idea. Anyway, they had me take Valium and four ibuprofen before the procedure. Well, they're up there trying to place this thing in my cervix and having quite a bit of trouble. After several minutes of pain, the doctor concluded that she wouldn't be able to place the IUD, but that since I was already drugged, they would call a local OB to get me scheduled the day of. Oh, I forgot to mention that the person who drove me to the student health center was my coworker, not my friend or my fiance, my coworker from the local ice cream place we worked at. Anyway, I went back into the lobby and my coworker is sitting there thinking that we're done and she can drive me home. But I tell her that we need to go to this other OB office in the next town over to get this thing placed. She drives me there. I needed a chauffeur because of the Valium and I go back to see the doctor. While I'm waiting, the nurse asked if I had taken any pain medication. I told her I had taken some ibuprofen. Well, I had taken two more ibuprofen on the way to the OB so a total of six because of how pain how bad the pain was during round one i'm pretty sure i told the nurse that but she gave me a percocet anyways so i'm actually literally high while waiting for the doctor when the nurse asks me if i want my sister to come back for the procedure my sister oh they must mean my coworker. sure i said so my coworker comes back and sits in the chair on the other side of the room and literally stares straight down the barrel aka of my vagina <laughs> while this dog places the iud they use an old ultrasound and figured out that I had a retroverted uterus. Sounds trendy. Retroverted. Well, which is why the student health... <laughs> Sorry about that weird noise I just made. <laughs> which is why the student health center doc was having issues. Anyway, the procedure procedure was quick and easy, and afterwards my coworker dubbed this 60-something-year-old male OB the vagina whisperer. Pretty sure I scarred her for life, but she claimed it was fascinating. So, hey, I'm all for a positive educational experience. Oh, speaking of education, this is what I was going to bring up. I I had written this down, but I, I for some reason didn't remember to bring it up. So I don't know how many of you guys were raised with abstinence only like sex ed, which is exactly how I was taught. Where where are we at on all that? I mean, is that still happening? Like, are people learning more now? I don't really know where it's at. All I know is that abstinence-based sex ed and the maturation program um, contributed to my declining mental health at this point in my life because, oh my gosh, the maturation program, I remember, my mom knows this now, but... I was the worst. I was the worst teenager. I'm pretty sure. Like I didn't have any sisters and my mom and I have talked about this and we talk about it even on our episode that we did together. I did not make my puberty easy for my mom. Like she tried. She really did try to talk to me about things, but I would not have it. I just could not stomach the conversation. 
Like I started my period when I was 11 and I think I was 14 by the time I told my mom. Like it was a full on secret. I would not tell her. Now I tell her everything. Maybe maybe I tell her too much. But anyway, um, the maturation program, I cut off the part of the of the paper that said your parents were invited. I was like, oh, hell no. I am not letting my parents come to this. So I went to the maturation program all by myself. Everybody else had their mom or like their sister. Oh my gosh, I want to die. I remember finding like one of the boys maturation booklet thingies. Oh gosh, that that really, I, I don't think I ever fully recovered. I still have that image just seared into my mind. It is, it is frightening. It is frightening. At least the girls got, we did get like a more gentle delivery, I feel like. Like that book, that American Girl doll book. Did you guys all have that all about me? I mean, it triggers me, but it did help me a lot. It gave a lot of a lot of very intriguing information. Okay, let's go on to the next story. Okay, she says, Here is my favorite vagina story that I probably share too often. A few years ago, when my husband and I were first married, we had the lights off and we were ready to go to bed. After laying down, we decided to get frisky. He grabbed the lube out of the nightstand drawer and started putting some on me. Immediately, it starts burning as if my vagina was on fire. I jump up and run to the shower. I'm thinking that maybe I have a cut or something that must have caused some pain. So I'm sitting spread eagle in the freezing shower, throwing water up my vagina with tears streaming down my face from the pain. My husband is super concerned and says, I think we may have used the Icy Hot instead of the lube. A few days earlier, I had used Icy Hot on my shoulders and put it in that same nightstand drawer. He checks and confirms that we had indeed put Icy Hot on my vagina. The bottles were so similar in shape and the liquid had the same consistency, so he had mixed them up. After getting out of the shower while still in pain, I'm Googling what to do if Icy Hot in vagina to see if I should go to the hospital. Not my happiest memory. It was late, so I just decided to go to bed with an ice pack on my cooter. It was honestly so so painful and I was out of commission for like a full two weeks afterwards. We now keep the lube and Icy Hot in completely different places. So lesson learned, I guess. Truly, truly, I cannot even stand being in the same room as somebody with Icy Hot on. Like it burns your eyes. It burns your nose. It, it, it is the worst sensation ever, even when it's not on your body. Like it is the worst. I cannot even imagine Oh, it makes me want to throw up a little bit thinking about that pain being down there. Yikes. Okay, next story. She says, I have the perfect story for this topic, but just to warn you, it's pretty gross. Can confirm. It, it is pretty gross. Okay, she says, this happened at the start of my senior year of high school. I got super sick with a fever and thought I had a yeast infection. I'm pretty sure I missed about three weeks of school because I was so sick. Pause here. My only flex, literally my only flex. I don't ha think I have anything else I can flex about, but I've never had a yeast infection in case you guys needed that personal detail about me. She continues. My mom had me on use some yeast infec infection medication, but all it did was burn like crazy. After that didn't work, I was checking things out and realized there were a pretty decent there was a pretty decent sized sore developing on my labia. For a little background, I was a virgin, so I didn't think it could be an STD or anything like that. My mom took me to the pediatrician, LOL, because I'd never seen any other doctor in my life. He didn't know anything and luckily didn't check me out down there. He referred me to a female OBGYN, and when we went to see her, I expected she would check it out and know exactly what it was and tell me it was super common. Nope. They made me... That is great that your mind went there. 
Because my mind would never go to the place that says everything's okay. My mind goes to the place that's like, you absolutely have a disease. You've given it to everybody that you love and you all have three days to live. Like that's where my mind goes. Okay. They made me undress from the waist down and get in the stirrups. Reminder, I'm 17 and no one has ever seen me down there. So I'm the most nervous I've ever been in my life and I'm sweating like crazy. After looking at it, they decide they need to biopsy the sore, which means they're going to cut off a chunk of my labia with a scalpel. Before slicing off a piece of me, they gave me a couple numbing shots, which I'm pretty sure were more painful than the actual scalpel would have been on its own. The shots and the biopsy were the worst pain I have ever felt in my life. I thought I was going to throw up. To finish the visit with the OBGYN, she gets up in my face and asks if I've ever had sex. I said no, but she asked again like she was accusing me that I wasn't a virgin, which made me so uncomfortable, especially with my mom in the room. When I got up off the exam table, my gray shirt showed my entire back was soaked with sweat. A couple days later, the biopsy and blood work came back to show pretty much nothing. The OBGYN pretty much told me that nothing helpful either. She said it was an ulcer from stress. I feel like stress is the go-to answer for doctors when they don't know what else is going on. Also, I thought ulcers only happen inside the body. I think they gave me an antibiotic and eventually the sore turned black and sloughed off. Ew. It, she said, ew, I didn't say ew. She put that in parentheses. It was the grossest and most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life to this day. I don't have any scars or issues with anything down there. It's the most mysterious thing that ever happened to me. Eventually, I went back to school. Ooh, the mysterious, the mysterious vag biopsy. And ulcer, I feel like maybe ulcers can happen on the outside of your body. Why do I feel like maybe sometimes, you know what, you know what? Uh, again, this is a fake Maddie fact that may or may not be real, but I'm pretty sure that you can get ulcers like in your mouth. And if I'm not mistaken, your labia and your mouth are made of the same stuff, right? So maybe that happened. I don't know. L help me out. Uh, medical side of listeners, if you could help me out. Thank you. Okay. I think this has been quite a wild ride. I don't know if I've ever read the word vagina so many times in my whole entire life. But you know what? It was an absolute pleasure to hear about you guys and hear about your experiences and what bonds us together as vagina owners. So thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting your stories. Thank you guys for your support, your love, your Patreon memberships, everything. Reminder, if you do want to sign up for Patreon, it's linked in my Instagram bio. And also we have a new Patreon coming out this week, Wednesday evening. Those come out Wednesday night. So please join us there if you want some more. Uh, it will be a break from the vagina talk this week, but I think this was a great topic that we should definitely... De is delve a word? I say delve into, and I'm beginning to think that I've made it up, but I'll Google it later. I don't really care. So I love you guys. Have a great, safe, amazing week, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>